shame if I went all that work to entertain people and nobody noticed. Hi. Today I'm talking yet again to Ash Nom de Plum about his books. And welcome to the whole TV Mark show. I know you've written quite a few books, Ash. Very subject. One series that we were talking about earlier. Shall we go through a little bit through one by one of them? Sure, we can go through one. So we're going to talk again. Interesting. You into UFOs? You want psychic powers? I'm into UFOs myself. We we'll start with UFOs. UFOs. Yeah, I'm. I'm a very big fan of UFOs. Well, considering I grew up down the block from Area 51, I, I kind of might have followed the topic once or twice in my life. When it's on your doorstep, you've got no choice. <laughs> well, there is that, <laughs> as far as that goes. You know, everybody goes, why do you know all about the neighborhood? Well, I used to live there. <laughs> Not Area 51, but the neighborhood. You know, it's like, I have a little close enough to know about it, yep. You didn't have any aliens knocking your door for some sugar. Yeah, it's, it's an air base in reality where they test all kinds of top secret equipment that they don't want to talk about. And if you're not from America, you don't know what they call it, the Freedom of Information Act, where if you ask the right, the government the right question the right way, they have to answer it. So I don't know if aliens are really out there or if the U.S. government or any government actually has any, but I'm pretty sure I know where they're not at. Because that's the one place everybody's looking. You don't put them where everybody's looking. You hide them someplace nobody ever think about asking. So what is the first book about? You said it's about UFOs and Greys, I believe. Yeah, Shades of Grey. I had a character named James Grey. Now, he actually has a very long name, but the short version is James Gray, who was a pilot during the Vietnam era, who vanished for 30 years and showed up unaged. During the time he was out, a few things changed. He has no memory of what happened, so the story is a lot about him trying to find out what might have happened to him since he's 30 years at a time, but unaged by day. Now, he was very emaciated when he showed up. But, you know, from his point of view, he was flying an airplane, and he's then getting rescued after a crash, and he thinks it's all the same week. And he finds out, uh, no, you've missed three decades. Now, what happened? Was it a time warp? Was he a prisoner of war and he's traumatically suppressed the memory? Or was he taken by the little green, gray, or whatever color aliens you like, who did whatever to him and for some reason, you know, dropped him back in the ocean? Yeah, because there's a lot of people that have been um, experiences of abductions as well, isn't there? Yes, there's quite a few abduction stories and things like that. One of my jobs I used to teach at a university was I used to have to investigate a few of them, as far as that goes. And usually the people are fairly credible in that, you know, somebody that you ask them point blank what happened. I saw a light, I woke up here, there's six hours missing, there's two days missing, there's such and such missing. I decided to take it to an extreme, because the guy was also given some alterations, nothing visible, but he's no longer the same physicality as he was before he has certain other abilities as far as that goes and he's trying to figure out first what they are and two how did he get them why does he have them what does he do with them 
And of course, I have a lot of fun with the social aspects because, you know, he's from 1965 America, and he comes out in 1995 America type thing. There was one or two social changes. You can imagine this guy in 1965 America suddenly having to have his guardian angel and uh, protector and the person who shows him around be a six foot four black transvestite male. Well, 1965, that would have been somebody who would have been shot, and he would have been one of the people grading the shooting. Now, this is his guide to how to reassimilate into modern society. So, I, I mess with this guy's mind a lot. As far well, as I like that. Goes. Well, I like that. And of course, it gives me a platform to discuss social issues and prejudices and things like that because this guy's having to face you know gender dysphoria gender dysphoria homosexuality and race in one very large package and he's in the dependent position where he you know he better take an interest in understanding the issue because he personally suffers if he doesn't so you know you know you'd be amazed how you can uh, persuade people to open in their horizons when they don't have a choice. You know, in America we have a couple of phrases, you know, when you have them by the balls, how their hearts and minds follow. <laughs> so I had, a, I had a little bit of fun with that. And of course I get to explore the UFO mysteries and all that stuff because he gets himself a job working for a magazine whose job it is to investigate these things. So he gets paid to do his own life mission. Of course, I put a twist on it. Where the twist is, the magazine is actually a covert government agency. Their job is to discredit the whole UFO community by telling the exact truth, but in such a way you'll never buy it. That's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you, but if you think about it, you know, it's a clever way to discredit what you're talking about if you tell the story in such a way they do it it's like the old joke about what do you call somebody or what's it called when well I'll say a man for this for the purpose of conversation but it could be a woman cuts open cuts you open slices you open with a knife and leaves you lying there bleeding takes all your money and then you live and weeks or months later their partners come to you and demand more money from you and your family. What do you call that? Not sure. <laughs> Here we call it a surgeon. <laughs> you know, if you think you, know, you guys have your National Health Service, we don't. So the surgeon does an operation and takes out your appendix, right? The nurse sews you up. And then the billing department comes and gets more money from you. <laughs> but that same story could have been taught in such a way that at the beginning, you're thinking somebody stabbed you in the alley, stole your wallet, and their criminal cohorts came back and victimized you again while you were recovering. Yeah, I like that twist. Yeah. It's all in how you tell the tale, right? Was it a surgeon saving your life or somebody trying to murder you? Ah, uh, very clever. Yeah, I could see you could twist it, yeah. Yeah, so I had a little bit of fun with that, as far as that goes. Um, so I wrote, you know, a fairly, you know, it's also a murder mystery, 
where I have him have to solve a series of murders along the way there to relate it to this because what if your abductee victim started getting murdered off? Is that the men in black making them go away to cover the story or something else? So I had a couple of mysteries within a mystery. I mean, if your readers are interested, I think I sent you a coupon code to give away 100 copies so everybody can take a look at it and see what they think of that. Because I always enjoyed the feedback, and besides that, I appreciate your, your time and our other conversations. So if you have anybody does that, I think you have the coupon code and all this other stuff that you're going to put on the... Yeah, I'll put it all on the... Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll put it all on Yeah, that way. And then there's... And then I have... The story continues like 30 years later where he catches up with some horror hosts who do the TV entertainment thing who may or may not have their own involvement. And there's one of those books that we actually put out for free as an advertisement for um, a group of people called the Angry Brothers, which run a, a television horror host show out here. We have a thing called Public Access TV. Or, you know, uh, people who aren't making a living out of, you know, amateurs can throw their hat in the ring and do their own professional type show without needing a million dollar budget. And I, I know a group of people that do that. I know, I know a group of people that do that. So I threw them into the story as a later iteration as far as that goes. And, of course, if you know their story, it all makes sense. But, you know, for his fan base and all that stuff, I threw in uh, a free book for them, too, because I had a lot of fun with this. And it gives me a platform to discuss conspiracy theories. Are aliens real or not real? What would be the limitations? And why would they be involved with us? Why would they care? And, of course, it gives me, like I said, a platform to approach a lot of social issues like, you know, prejudice and racism and alcoholism and drug abuse and mental health and where do you draw the line or religious freedoms because everybody talks a good story until their feathers get ruffled you know a lot of people talk about you know there's the myth that the pilgrims came to America for religious freedom you know they came to America for freedom to practice their religion the way that they wanted to and make sure nobody else nearby got to do their thing I like your book where you told me about I murdered your Americanisms murdered my what? I murdered. I read your. I read a chapter, a bit, a bit of your book, and you told me I murdered the, the Americanisms. Yeah, the 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 no niece of the dream stealer, where the guy's dealing with his uh, PTSD. Yeah. And you you read through it, and a few of the American phrases, like we have a thing called Section Eight housing here, where it's government subsidized housing. I think you guys call it the dole, where somebody's getting government money to help yeah, them get right. from A to B type thing, and. You know, we have a drink called tequila here, which a lot of people call tequila, because if you have three or four of those, you will wake up on the floor. And, uh, yeah, some of your uh, enunciations of the American version of English was uh, unique or unicue. It was um, different. <laughs> I'm sure I butcher your version of the English language quite regularly. I did like the, I, I, when I read the books of the book, I really enjoyed the way he was going. Like the mental health bit and how he was reacting to the way he was. And I like that. Yeah, I try to write the stories as first person, uh, so you're limited on the view to what just the protagonist, main character, knows instead of knowing too much, because it's kind of hard to have a mystery if you know the side facts. I mean, that's one of the things that I, I enjoy and hate about television mysteries is usually I know, you know, I know 
too much information, so, you know, can I solve the mystery? Here, using that technique, I limit your information, so you got to solve the mystery based on the facts presented. You can't bring in the other stuff because you don't have other to bring in, and my background many years ago was in law enforcement and education in that field, so I, the murder mystery I wrote in the Alien book is actually, if you do the logic tree, the logic tree will tell you the answer. You know, you can go through the whole deductive logic thing if you go through it. Now, before you go say, well, this mystery will be very solved, I got 30 suspects involved in other information sources. It might take you a little while. Not a Columbo. But I, Not with Columbo. Yeah. Columbo's known yeah, to use from day one. Yeah, Columbo or Scooby-Doo mystery where you know it before you start it. No, that's no fun. But I also hated the mystery where they always kept the facts from you. There was like a key fact to figure it out, and they don't do the reveal to the end. I always thought that was a cheat. So when I wrote the story, I do give you enough information to solve the mystery before you get to the end. People like that. So as far as that goes, yeah, I did that because I actually worked out a very long formal logic tree on graph paper and all that stuff. And it, it, basically the logic tree would take an entire dining room table that would be designed to have six chairs at it. So think of a dining room table for seating for six. The chart took the table. <laughs> so I did that before I wrote the story to make sure I paid off on the mystery. I know you've done paranormal as well. That's one of my subjects. I cover yeah. I try to be very logical, sequential. Even my paranormal, I tie into as close as I can to the rules of the reality that we all think we live in, as far as that goes, um, and give it limits that way. You know, like I talk about things. You know, will the human so many options to be available for this. So that gives you an upper limit. I mean, I love my Marvel comics and DC comics and things like that. But, you know, I got this little five foot nothing girl who can launch a tank with one arm. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's a good show, but, you know, there comes a point where you're like, you know, atomic bombs don't do that kind of stuff. Or, you know, six cranes and four friends doesn't do that. So I try to keep it within certain limits of reality, which also limits your character, which means they might have to be clever, and you just can't do it by brute force. No. They have to think. So they have to the, the brain. <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't get, hear all of that. My reception must not be so good. Say, you have to, about the brain? Yeah, about the brain. You have to use a thing called the brain to figure things out. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I, I had to put a little bit of skull sweat in some of this stuff, and so did the characters. And of course, I enjoy my character. In fact, when I was writing the first James Gray, part of it started off from British literature. You guys know who James Bond is, Ian Fleming? Yeah. And it started off It started off on an argument, okay, what would it take for James Bond to actually survive being James Bond? I mean, he gets dropped off of buildings, he gets this, that, and of course, every woman thinks he's perfect. How, how's that get? I mean, he's actually the worst spy in the world. Everybody knows who he is before he shows up. Yes, <laughs> so, there he is. That's the one. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I started with that sort of a James Bond sort of character. So, okay, now I need to come up with a premise that allows him to survive being so known. 
And why would every woman go for him? Like my character, I actually go through go through the science of what would make some male that attractive to everybody, and what would make his antagonist want to be that violent towards him. And I threw the biology there. I'm not going to give you it for free since I can give you the book for free. Besides that, I'd like to find out where I screwed up in the story and get a little more feedback. It's kind of an odd world of writing. I got enough sales. Hey, paid a few bills, but it'd be nice to know. Did anybody like the story? I mean, the book, obviously, they must like it from one point of view, but it'd be kind of nice to say, oh, by the way, I love this part. Can you take it further? That's why, I gave, in a vacuum. that's why I gave you some links to my stories. Oh, no, I'm not the, nothing else to scale you, sir. Yeah. yeah I've, I've taken a quick look at them. Unless, of course, I've given you your feedback of where I thought some strengths and weaknesses was and where to fix this or that. As far as that goes, you know, of course, you're always welcome to give me your comments on mine of what you like or hate or, by the way, clean this up or fix that I mean, it's always a tough line like since I write them as a diary you know do I omit every spelling error or every now and then you leave one in there just to show that maybe it was the first draft where do you draw that line to keep it that realistic edgy feel and then readable where you don't lose meaning because you blow the wrong word then you might actually confuse somebody which is fine if your job is to confuse them because some words can mean two different meanings, can't they? Oh yeah, you get the you know you always get those synonyms and homonyms. You know, he won the war. Was he number one in the war, or did he was he the winner? And of course, there's the two, two, and two, and they and they. Which confuses yeah, people sorry. constantly. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, a lot of things, you know, thought can determine language and language of thought. It's my understanding there was a tribe in New Guinea or something like that, that before World War II did not have the word for war. So, oddly enough, apparently their culture was one way. After World War II, when they learned the word for war, their culture had changed dramatically, and not for the better, because they picked up a new bad habit. It's like we said before, certain words now are being phased out gradually. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah, well, language evolves. Now, that's one of the reasons, like, science uses the language of Latin for things, because it's a dead language. You don't get slang. And we end up with having slang changing the meaning of words. Well, you know, sometimes words need to mean what they mean and need to have an unchanging meaning. I mean, it can be very rough. I always love when they do, like, the time travel stories, which make great stories. Of course, magically, everybody speaks modern English, right? Oh, yeah, that's, that, I always like that bit, yeah. Perfect English. Yeah. Especially English, yeah. Of course, you know, when I was at university, I had to take an English class on Shakespeare, which I wanted to take it pretty much at gunpoint, but they told me I didn't really have a choice. But they did an interesting thing where he had some films of some premier group in London who did Shakespeare, but apparently it was like, I don't know, it would be like the Royal Shakespearean Company, but whoever the best is, do a film of the play, they did it twice. Once was actually how it would have been done at the time of Shakespeare. Apparently people spoke at a much different rate, almost 600 words a minute. Today we speak at 200. So the story went by very quickly. Uh, but apparently, 
Shakespeare invented the gags they did like in the movie Airplane. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Airplane. Yeah. But what they do is they do gags that go by so fast you can't possibly catch them all in one viewing. You'd have to see it two, three, four, five times just to keep up with the jokes. And apparently Shakespeare did the same thing, which would cut down on how often he had to come on the new play because you go out for dinner in a show, which is usually in the same place, if I understood how they used to do things at the Globe and some of the other theaters, and you couldn't watch the play once and say, okay, I want to see something new. You'd have to watch it four, five, six, seven times in order to catch all the jokes and the nuances. As far as that goes, you know, like Portia in Merchant of Venice, I think she has a line, you know, God made him, therefore he's a man. When she was talking about his Italian suitor, when she basically said, you know, he's queer as a $3 bill. I always find it strange. A lot of people criticise Shakespeare. How many films and plots are based on Shakespeare's stories? I bet, I, you know, I don't have an exact study, but if somebody were to tell me one in four... I would not be surprised. I mean, the, they call him the Great Bard because so many of his stories are just true to life, period. I mean, almost every romantic comedy that involves the, usually it's a female, but I guess you can make it the male, being some sort of a shrew has got to be a flip, uh, a, a, you know, a take on taming of the shrew, as far as that goes. I mean... The, the tragic royal figures got to be, you know, it's Hamlet or King Henry, as far as that goes, as far as those those goes, so much. You know, the person in going down for the count from old age, you know, you got your Tempest, thematic, no matter what's going on. I mean, the, the man really was a genius in a whole lot of the things. I mean, and of course, much you do about nothing just says it all about it, all, all section window, innuendo comedies. <laughs> I love those. I love carry on films. Have you? Yeah. I don't know if you get them in the states. And the double, the double entrees. On yeah. Stuff. I mean, he was a master oh. of that as well. Yeah. Oh, she's got a lovely pair. That kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, well, you need to be doing English classes as they make people read Shakespeare instead of watch Shakespeare. You know, it's like reading a movie script. No wonder everybody hates them. When you study them in school, oh, I have to read this. No, you should watch it. That's why the English class was pretty good that I, I came to like it later because we watched the shows, we didn't read the shows, and then we could discuss the difference in the two performances and what was different and why and could discuss the changes in social behaviors and the changes in language rates and how people would use the second and third meanings of words where now we come up with a new word. Rather than use the same words in three different contexts, we'll use three different words. We have such a bigger vocabulary, but the thing is, does that make it better, or does that just ruin the opportunity for jokes? So, as far as all that goes, you still there? Yeah, I'm still there, I'm listening, I promise. Oh yeah, no, I was just, yeah, so I mean, I occasionally I try to put in the puns and the double entree jokes. Mostly I just go for a lot of the sheer shock value where this poor character has to deal with somebody who would be like, you know, not a gunpoint for all the money in the world and now I have to deal with it. Like I said, this guy's, you know, initial native guide into 
modern society from being 1965 civil rights America to now you're in San Francisco in 95 with, you know, a six foot four, you know, transvestite as your native guy to the town. <laughs> Things changed a little bit. And, he's, and, he, and they say, by the way, we won the war. This was winning? <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine. I mean... <laughs> I bet, I bet, I'm glad we lost, yeah. Yeah, it'd be like taking a caveman. It'd be like taking a caveman and explaining what we're doing now, talking to a phone. Yeah, or, you know, you and I went back in time. I mean, can you imagine the poor feminist rights woman who is making all these inroads suddenly being dropped in... I don't know. I don't. I would say pre-Victoria London, oh, and yeah. having to assume the traditional role of a woman with a smile. Ooh, wouldn't be going going damn well that. Oh, let's make it better. Now let's do it in a working class family oh. or a lower class family. Well, you were nothing basically. You just worked all day. Yeah. Worked to death. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, well, the males were nothing, and what about the poor women below them? Because they were they were really on nothing. Nothing from nothing came nothing. Yeah, and now you want to talk about let's do social justices. One man, one vote, and I'm a, and I'm a woman, it's a man. And then you make somebody some you know some sort of alternative sexual orientation. As far as that goes, and then you make a minority minority race. You want to talk about just you know we've come a long ways, but I don't think a lot of times people figure out how, from how far we had to come. Not that any of it's right. I mean, all human beings should be equal, but. Um, you know, it's it could you know that could make a an ugly story. So I did the reverse, where this guy comes from this very rigid background. Now he was he happened to be fairly open minded on a lot of things, or at least for his time. And then he suddenly just confronted with an all up close personal live. Oh, but then I mentioned he also has to. Uh, they were also practicing one of the alternative religions nearby him. So the good white owned Anglo Saxon Protestant now is having to deal with the pagan Wiccan crowd. Hmm. Oh, please keep a straight face. <laughs> he was just having, yeah. You know. So I, th- I, I try to throw in a, a few moments like that. Yeah, I, I like your humor. Considering yeah. you're American, and some American jokes I just don't get. Yeah. Well, I try to keep the jokes not completely language based but you know if you you know I set up the situation so you know where the guy's at and then you can appreciate the joke because I always you know you have to you know because like trying to explain British humor to Americans who don't get it it doesn't do it like one of my favorites when I was over there once I was watching Monty Python great stuff and there was you know father so and so with a few calming words for the Irish dissidents and you're thinking, uh-oh, here it comes, right? And you're looking for the whole IRA thing. And you got this priest person going, Valium, barbiturates, alcohol, and passing out. Now, obviously, they did the joke a lot better than I said it. Because a few calming words, you were expecting him to say, you know, peace and love and brotherly, and he started listing all these downers that make you pass out and calm down. A little misdirection. Because you expect one joke and you get the other... You know, uh, I can only do so dry on the humor because American humor isn't as dry as the British. But I try to cross the line so everybody at least got a little bit out of there. So I appreciate that you at least got some of the jokes. Uh, we're very good at taking the mickey out of each other over here. 
Yeah. We <laughs> used to be pretty good about it, but now we've all gotten politically correct and we all get uh, bent out of shape about everything instead of just appreciating that maybe somebody got a good dig in and now it's your turn. Where, unfortunately, we get a little too, how dare you say this? Oh, come on, the person was having fun, now it's your turn. Yeah, but most people know it's a joke at the end of the day. If you're in, a, like, a private conversation and you know the person well, you can have a proper little dig at each other. Because you know it's not, you're not going to take it full on. Personally, full on. personally. Yeah, I mean, there's there was a very famous play done many years ago called 1776, which is about the American Revolution. And they were arguing about does America, you know, what now becomes America, but do the colonies want to break with the mother country, which was quite a dispute because they really didn't want to, but just weren't getting any traction as far as political things. But Benjamin Franklin is rumored to have said, you know, to call me a British subject when I'm not afforded the rights and privileges of one is like calling an ox a bull. Uh, a bull. He may appreciate the honor, but would rather have what's rightfully restored to him. And a political opponent looked at him and says, so, when did you first notice they were missing? <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and apparently, after this meeting, you would think there would be, you know, because this is the time when they had duels, and those two went off and had drinks together, because it was just a, yeah, you got a good, you got a good... Probably good dig there, wouldn't it? It was a proper good one. planet on the world that got life yeah, I didn't quite catch that there was a lot of, of gardening because we're a long ways away I was going to say I said I do believe aliens exist because there's too many planets around that we were the only lucky one to get life on it Ooh, the connection's going I think the city is slowly going.
the 10,000 years, and then they turn around and go back home. Are they so long-lived that a 10,000-year jaunt is no big deal to them? Or are they so dedicated to travel that they're a different society in space? You know, make some interesting conversations. What kind of civilization would be interstellar? Would we That's trying to go to Mars, isn't it? Or are they that long-lived? You know... You know, is our lifespan a long lifespan or not a long lifespan compared to other intelligent creatures? Are you? Uh, would you like to go to Mars if you had the chance? Like the, the very long journey uh, there, and hardly no way back. Well, before I had children, I'd been all over. Oh yeah, let's go out and explore it all. I mean, I think I'd like to see my kids grow up. Now, the next question is, am I going to Mars under our current technology, which would be a one-way trip? You go there, you're not coming back. Or are we talking a Star Trek, Star Wars sort of set of technology where you could take a trip there and back as it's just a ticket? So, you I think know, we're not there yet. I think, a, I think we're on the yeah, one-way journey. Right now we're on a one-way ticket, so while my kids are at home and things like that, <laughs> probably wouldn't be wanting to leave my children. I mean, you know, dad doesn't want to be dad. However, after they're gone and I'm doing the empty nest thing, I very well might be interested. Of course, I kind of hope they have a real good vitamin exercise regime or some other ways to de-age me or something like that so I could enjoy the, the trip there for a nice long life. Or it would be the same thing, sort of thing. You're like, you know, we get you on an interstellar trip, and even if I sped you up to the speed of light where time slowed down for you, so it's not a, you know, one-generation trip where you do suspended animation, you know, that'd be a one-way trip because when you get to the nearest star system or some star system, it could be two, three, four thousand years back here on Earth. You wouldn't be coming back, or if you did come back, you'd be coming back to a whole new world. That'd be strange, wouldn't it? Would you... And those kind of debates are fun debates to have if you can have them as a fun debate and not have somebody want to try to preach some sort of other agenda as far as that goes. You can always talk to the flat earth people. Do I have to? No. I tried to have a conversation with one one day and he was like very preachy and every answer I came up with, it wasn't the truth. Well, I always love the we have a certain version of certain religious groups here, and I'm trying not to paint too brush and brush because I say versions of, because some of them of the very conservative crowd are actually very good thinkers and understand everything. And then you have some that they think they read a book once, and therefore this is how it is. So I'm referring to my when I cast my stones here at the very narrow-minded, unthinking ones, not the ones that are thoughtful as far as all that goes. Um, you know, where they want to argue the earth can only be so many years old because it says so in the Bible, except for one thing. It doesn't say the age of the earth in the Bible. <laughs> there are a lot of years given, and I guess you could add them up, but I mean, the Bible is by no means a chronologically, historically precise document. And no, it's a story, isn't it? Argue, yeah, but some, you get some people that want to argue, no, it says right here we're 6,592 years old and we were born on April 13th. Okay, I'd like to know where you got that plea. And they started doing that. Of course, the other fun study I saw once was that 90% of the quotes that are attributed to the Bible are not in the Bible. People make them up as they go along. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or they quote something and it says, yeah, but it doesn't actually say what you said it says. You just you, you just preaching a false authority, 
quotes a document, a book, a Bible, or any other book, can you get the quote right? It'd be but like quoting one of your books and get it wrong, wouldn't it? Same, same thing. Yeah, do. Be like, yeah. Well, that gets to be a problem when, you know, why can't the Earth be, you know, the four and a half billion years old? You know, that doesn't mean God does exist or doesn't exist, but you get these people who want to tell me how the science kit works. It's like, you know, we have a pretty good idea how the science kit works. The real question might be, how does the rest of it work? And, and then we can debate who made the kit, who made the rules. But, you know, just because you can't figure out how God did it and follow the rules doesn't mean that God didn't figure out how to do it and follow the rules. You know, to think that you're that smart. I'm a pretty smart guy, but I can't, you know, I don't know how God pulled it off. I have some ideas of how some of the tools look like, but I don't know all of them. And the ones that pretend to know everything is usually the big problem. Of course, usually they have guns, which is very helpful, not. So, we yet again, we shall mention where everybody can find your books. But just in case people say, oh, I'd like to read one of Ash's books. Where can I find it? Well, if you're using the coupon that I sent you, you can go to smashword.com. But you can find them on Barnes & Noble and Apple Book or Amazon. Now, on those places, you have to pay full price. On the Smashwords where I gave you the coupons, there's the two books I can give away. And the rest of them are on there for whatever the price of the book is. I don't know. It's like a cup of coffee, maybe. And I do try, I do try to give you your money's worth. Where you know a lot of them are like two hundred fifty thousand to five hundred thousand worth. So you know you do get your money's worth. It's gonna you're not gonna crank one out. There's a couple of books you can crank out in a day, but most of them are gonna take you a week or two. But that was the whole point. I mean, you're gonna have an entertaining story. At least I hope they're entertaining. You I said earlier about bourbon. What are you gonna think of when the tax goes up because old Trump is upset people with the about the metal. Oh, the bourbon. Um, bourbon? Tr- yeah, Trump, Trump's, ups- Trump's upset everybody, so Europe's going to retaliate by putting them up the price of bourbon and jeans. So take that, America. I hate to break this to you, but if you don't drink the bourbon, I'm sure we can find a few people here to drink it. <laughs> As far as that goes, no. If you you know don't don't start me up on Trump and his t- trade wars because I just keep asking. Okay, which one of your buddies is making a buck on this guy? Unfortunately, for those of his fans, you probably hate me because I think he just keeps doing everything for his one his ego or two his pocketbook or both. And he doesn't care about his job. He just cares about stroking his ego and make and figuring out how to profit. I think we got taken by a false prophet for those who actually believed him and a backlash of anger by everybody who felt ousted by the last administration or whatever. So it was like anybody, you know, that's, I mean, when we had Hillary running, who was a woman, in some cases, I think he got elected by a group of people said anybody but Hillary or anybody but a woman. It's like, yeah, but you might want to look at who the anybody is. And, you know, he I did say quite he... the embarrassment. I mean, his behavior, his words, his vulgarity, and all this other stuff. You know, I mean, I mean, I got I, I teach school, and I, I I teach you know multiple levels, but I'm at, I'm around little kids, and it's like you know when you see an eight year old who knows grabbing by the pussy, excuse me, an eight year old schnauzes, and the president thinks it's okay to do that. No very good influence, Sam. 
when you're having to take a key to the office for having a fight because they decided to imitate the President of the United States. They got a good argument then, didn't they? Well, he said it. Why can't I? Exactly. He did it. Why can't I? He couldn't say he was triumphant. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh-huh. And it's okay to use them as property. They love you for it and treat them like crap. The worse you treat them, the better they love you. And it's like, I'm sorry, there's no, you know, until you point out, and hey, you would want somebody to treat your mother like that? Well, no. Then why would you advocate this? But this whole double, triple standard we got going. But, yeah, um, a leader of a country, for good, bad, whatever, still needs to be a symbol. I mean, I remember growing up, everybody, you know, in America, we picked on England because they still have, you know, what does the queen do and what does the royal family do? You know, besides being a figurehead and, you know, and a consistent presence since they actually don't make the laws and things like that. It was like, yeah, but, you know, being a diplomatic presence and maybe demonstrating what a little class looks like isn't always a bad thing. You know, you know some, some modicum of class, grace, and style is not necessarily a bad thing. But, unfortunately... You know, we've now fallen into a situation where showing a little class, grace, and dignity is so out of fashion. You know, it's kind of a sad state of affairs when having a little class and dignity is bad, bad fashion. Well, Ash, I think you know? we can clearly say we've covered quite a few subjects. I will try to find that coupon thing that you sent me again and put it over, I'll put it on the podcast or I can now. Put it on YouTube. I found a thing where I could put my podcast on YouTube. Well, there you go. I'll take a look for it again. Let me know how you any feedback you need. Of course, you know, feel free to give me some feedback. I'd like to see what parts of this character, the things you like, and if I haven't killed off the character, if it's something you want to see more of, I might be talked into it. So you know, you should put- part of the whole idea of writing these stories is you want the audience to be enjoying them. So. You know, let me know what you guys like so I know where to go with this. And, yep. of course, you know, feel free to buy as many copies as you like or tell your friends. Tell your friends <laughs> and tell your grandmothers. <laughs> tell their kids and tell their kids, and they will get their kids to buy your kids. Bye, so bye, bye. You well. Right, thank you very much, Ash, and um, good evening, good night, good afternoon, or whatever it is in your time zone. <laughs> Thank you very much, thank you. See you later then. Bye. Thank Bye-bye. you very much for doing this.